Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Good morning. It is great to see everybody here. Great to have the opportunity to bring a portion of of God's Word to you this morning. We're studying from Micah chapter 6, a a familiar passage to, to most of us. Thank you, Quinn, for that reading of the first eight verses there in that chapter. This morning we're going to be looking at what I think is a very interesting passage. And there are other places in Scripture where uh, the Holy Spirit inspired the writer to do this. But this is one of the places where you want to know what God wants. Here you go. What is God's will for my life? Sometimes you, you may have asked that of yourself. What is God's will? Here's one of the places where it's very clearly laid out. So what he's asking, what Micah the the prophet is asking, is what is it that God really wants from us and what should we be offering to God? Jordan just talked about uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and talked about the gift that God gave us. Well, Matthew chapter 2, we're not going to read that story this morning, we're going to reference it. Matthew chapter 2, there were gifts that were given to Jesus by the wise men. They they went to Herod, they they searched him out, they, they went... And, and said, hey, you must know where this, uh, this, this king is, is, is born. We saw his star in the east. And they got away from Herod and, and went to him and brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those were gifts that were given to God. Well, what Micah here is asking is much the same thing. What should we bring to him? You know, there's, there's an old proverb that says, the only gift worth giving is yourself. And so... The, the, the present is your presence. Don't overlook that this, this uh, Christmas season, this holiday season. Christmas, really Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Don't overlook the fact that getting together is a blessing. Getting together with your family, your friends, your neighbors, whoever you share it with, whoever you share that time with, is, is a blessing for one another. Not, just, not to think more highly of myself that, that, that my presence is your present. No, it's about the fellowship. Don't overlook that, that we're, we're going to be missing some of, of our family here very soon. The, the, the Closies are moving to Texas. They're, you saw the, the U-Haul uh, pulled up out here. They're literally leaving from here um, and going south, and, or south and a little bit west. And we may not see them for a while. So their, their presence is our present. Let's not overlook that. But Micah here is asking a little more of a, of a specific question, in, in fact, gives a more specific answer to uh, the the children of Israel. Of course, the the, the context here in in Micah chapter 6 is much like many of the prophets. Hey, Israel, there's a problem. There's a big problem. And he describes the problem in in detail and and describes what's going to happen if they don't change their ways. But look what Paul says here, too, in Romans chapter 12. He says, I beseech you, I beg you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, what? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is the gift season, the gift-giving season, the gift-shopping and giving season. And many of you have done some shopping online. Many of you have done some shopping in in stores. I I happened to be driving around the other day, and it was about 5.30 or so. It was last week. And... um, I think everybody in the city of Norman was driving at the same time. The traffic was insane. So no offense, students, but 
Next week, things look a little better because there's not as many cars driving around. But, you know, the season of, of Christmas and the season of gift giving began as giving gifts to Jesus, basically mimicking what we saw in Matthew chapter 2, bringing gifts to the Savior. And that has morphed over the years, the, the, the centuries, into giving one another gifts. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing that's, that's commanded in Scripture that we, that we give gifts uh, to the baby Jesus like the wise men did. But it's a time of generosity. It's a time that we can often spend more than we can afford. It's a time when we, uh, we think about certain gifts. We, we think about what would be right for this person and, and what do they need and, or what do they want more often. We think about it. We spend. We, we endure some inconveniences. You know, back in the day, we would actually have to stand in line to get things as opposed to going online and finding them on eBay or something like that. But I wonder what it would be like if for this Christmas season we would make a covenant to spend just as much time and energy and thought about maybe that old tradition of giving gifts to Jesus. And I think that's in part what Micah is, is saying here. He might have been going through this same kind of dilemma when we, we think about his words. And I want you to look at verses 6 through 8 with me. He says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We want to consider these three gifts this morning. Now, God did indeed require some of these things in the book of Leviticus, repeated in Deuteronomy. These gifts of oil, of rams, of, of first, uh, firstlings, yes, those things were required by God. But the prophet here is talking about some absurd things. He, he, he talks about thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil, his own firstborn. Book of Leviticus never demanded that. He's using hyperbole. He's going to an extreme to make a point. He see, really, really, Micah's realizing that God doesn't want any of these things. He doesn't want thousands of rams, or in, in today's parlance, thousands of dollars. That's not what he's saying specifically. In fact, from this context, it appears that, that these ritualistic sacrifices, rams, oil, uh, firstlings, that's not what pleases God. And we couldn't please God, and we can't please God today, simply by offering innumerable sacrifices. Look at all the things I'm doing for you, Lord. Look at all the time and money that I'm spending. <clears throat> Even things that were very valuable. Very, very costly. I don't care how much a ram costs. Thousands of them cost a lot of money. I don't know how much oil costs back in the day, but 10,000 rivers of it had to be a lot of money. You see, for religious rituals that were properly ordained by God, and these were, 
not in these volumes, but these absolutely were. But for them to be accepted, they have to be accompanied by other things that are also essential. You see, what God is looking for, what God wants, the gifts that He wants, is for you to act justly, for you to love mercy, and for you to walk humbly with your God. Now, at this point, some of you are going, Pressure's off. I can kind of sit back and relax. I got this. Uh, you know, somebody else might have a problem with this. Somebody else in this room might have a problem with this. Somebody else that's listening or watching, I got this. So, you know, this is not going to affect me. Wait till the end of the story. Wait, wait till page two, till Parl Harvey tells you the rest of the story. Those of you that are old enough to remember that. I wonder what Christmas would look like if we would wrap these kinds of gifts and give them to one another. Give them, in effect, to Jesus. Well, let's first look at acting justly. This means to act toward God and man according to the divine standard of righteousness revealed in His law. To act toward God and man according to what we want to do. No, that's not what I said. According to the way that the world defines justice. No. It's to act toward God and man according to His divine standard. Now, this did and does involve sacrifices commanded by God. It did at the, at, at the time offering sacrifices of animals and, and giving of first fruits uh, of, your, of your crop or of your, of your flocks, of all the different um, offerings, drink offerings, and all the different sacrifices and all the different festivals and things like that. Yes, absolutely. And today, what is required of us? What we read there uh, in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, to give our, ourselves as a living sacrifice. Uh, there's other places that, that talks about of giving of our means, giving of our time, giving of our talents, using our talents for God, of, of worshiping Him together, not forsaking that. And there are others. But see, those sacrifices also involve the treating of our fellow man in a way that is right and fair. Again, you may be thinking, I got this. No worries. Well, failure to do justly was one of the main reasons that Israel went into captivity. Let's look at one of the examples of that in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 7. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. So let me put, give you just a little bit of, of, of background. God is coming to Zechariah and saying, Say these things to my people, because they are not behaving in a way that we want them, that we want them to. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion everyone to his brother." Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. But they refused to heed, shrug their shoulders, and stop their ears so that they could not hear. Yes, they made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear the, the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his Spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Thus, because of this, then 
hardening their hearts, stopping their ears, refusing to hear. Um, they, the great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore, it happened that just as he proclaimed and they would not hear, so they called out and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations which they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them so that no one passed through or returned, for they made the pleasant land desolate. And if you've joined us during our, our Isaiah studies, in part what we're looking at is the, the dispersion, the, the overcoming of the, the, the northern tribes and, and soon to be in, in Isaiah, the southern tribes. The, the, why? Because God was just vindictive? No, he told them over and over and over. In Here's Zechariah, Isaiah, Hosea, Jeremiah, Micah, and other places. He told them over and over. If you're treating people in these ways, bad things are going to happen to you. If you want to be treated well, take care of your fellow man. Let's look down in Zechariah chapter 8. These are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor, and do not love a false oath. For these are things that I hate, says the Lord. So, look, there are passages of Scripture in the, in the 66 books of the Bible that are difficult to understand. There's no question that there are parts that are, are, are challenging for us to really understand what the, the, the writer is trying to teach the audience and in, in turn us. This is not one of them. This is not one of those difficult passages. Here's what the Lord wants. The opposite is what he hates. He wants you to speak the truth to your neighbor. He wants you to give judgment in your, in your gates, meaning in your town, in your area, for truth, justice, and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor and do not love a false oath, for all these are things that I hate. So again, you say, I got this. I'm, I'm on this. But what do your social media posts say? What do the social media posts that you don't write anything but you like? What are the social media posts that you read and agree with? Does that foment truth, justice, and peace? Or does it just espouse your personal point of view and what you think is right. Ask yourself, what is it that you are attracted to? Is it a, is it a political divide, division or is it a bringing together? Is it a collection of people together, of loving truth and, and the opposite of thinking evil in your heart against your neighbor? Yes, your neighbor that you don't agree with. You don't agree with politically. You don't agree with their lifestyle. You don't agree with their whatever. That We are being called as Christians to a higher standard. We are being called to something that is different than the world. Because when we look like the rest of the world, the world is not impacted. Our light is not shining. We're not a single candle in a dark room we're not adding to the light. In fact, we're part of the darkness. I wonder what Christmas would look like if we would wrap these things up like acting justly and give it. You know, there's seemingly little justice in our world. And in fact, the word justice has, has even changed. 
we have a justice department. Is it a justice department, whether it's at the local or state or national level, doesn't really matter. Is it really a justice or is it a punishment department? I don't know. Ask yourself that. Is it, is it truly seeking for the right, just, proper, to act toward God and man? See, there's a, there, it's not just toward, toward mankind. We have a responsibility, and this, this word justice, I, I, I started to do a, a word study on it, but it, it got too far in, in the weeds, quite frankly. But it's a very deep word. In fact, all three of these. Uh, words are very, very deep from a theological standpoint. So it's not simply about justice, meaning the right thing. It's about the right thing in terms of God and man. But there's lots of things that seem to be unfair. There's lots of things in this world where you, you look and it seems the bad seem to succeed and the good seem to fail. Everything seems to be kind of topsy-turvy. It's hard to determine what justice really is. I don't think I'll ever be able to understand the, the justice of what sometimes happens in courtrooms. Sometimes I just don't get it, what those judges are, are, are thinking, or those juries are thinking. There's so much in this world that just doesn't seem fair. But I, I wonder what it would look like if we who are part of the Lord's church would wrap up this little gift called justice and say something like this, Lord, we don't care what the rest of the world may do, but we as your people will be fair with one another. And you, you may have a different or better way to word this. You probably do. But what would it look like if we said, even if it looks weird to the rest of the world, we're going to be fair and just and equitable does not mean equal. Equal and equitable are not synonymous terms, but that's I digress. Are we treating one another the way that we should, the way that God calls us to? We've promised to be fair with one another. We promise not to cheat. We promise to be fair in our business dealings. We promise we won't lie to our customers. I'm thinking about that story of the butcher shop that my dad always tells. About the woman that comes in at the end of the day. She wants a chicken. He says, he scrounges around, finds one, puts it up on the scale, says that's two pounds. She says, nah, I'm really looking for one that's a little bit bigger. He takes that one down, realizes he really only has one, takes that same chicken, puts it on the scale along with his thumb. He says, hey, this one's three pounds. Feels great. I'll take both of them. It's only one chicken. Got caught. Most of the time, we don't get caught. And that's the problem, is most of the time, we don't get caught. In our, in our business dealings, and dealing with our employers, dealing with our suppliers, dealing with our customers. But what if we said we promise that we'll always be honest in the things that we say. That we'll always be fair and just in the things that we do. We promise to be fair with people who look different than us. Whether that's skin color or the way that they dress. It's interesting, you walk through the mall here in, in, in Norman. We're there about once a week going to El Chico. That's just our deal. And there's people in hijabs now. 
full face coverings. There's people that are dressed up um, in, in uh, what I would call Hindu um, garb. Not from a religious standpoint so much, but just that's their, that's their background. Obviously from India or Pakistan. That's, that's new for Norman, Oklahoma. But there's all kinds of different people just right here. And sometimes it's easy to look over, around those folks for people that look different than us because we're seeking the familiar. We're seeking the comfortable. What if we said that we will not complain, we will not gossip, we will not argue and fight with one another, that we will be God's representatives on earth? What if we said that? What if we offered that as a gift. I wonder what the world would be like. The second thing that Micah talks about here in, in, in Micah chapter 6 is to love mercy. This word means to show a compassionate, warm-heartedness toward man. In, in, uh, in several translations, uh, it, it's, it's translated in different words, but one of the things that's kind of a theme is steadfast love. Steadfast, constant love. So that means not only treating others fairly, yes, but to show mercy when we're mistreated. Oh, thanks, Micah. Thanks, Lord. You just increased the volume. You just stepped it up a, a notch. Because it's not only are we treating others fairly, but it's how do we respond when we are treated unfairly. We ourselves are treated unfairly. Well, one of the reasons that they were instructed to love mercy is because God loves to show mercy. Look at this. Micah says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of His heritage? He does not retain His anger forever because He delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Lord, we love because He first loved us. That concept is repeated right here. We are to have mercy because God showed mercy on us. At a time when we were physically or metaphorically shaking our fist at God and saying, no, I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. I'm going to do the things that I want to do. God still showed mercy. So God told Micah to love mercy and to love kindness. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient and kind. Have you ever been treated unkindly? Have you ever had someone say something about you that was patently false? Have you ever had someone go behind your back and absolutely undermine you? What does that word undermine mean? It means literally dig the dirt out from under your feet so that you fall in. You ever had that happen? I have. I have. In fact, I think it's happening as we speak. You know, I think about the lepers in New Testament times. Leprosy is an interesting disease. It's relatively easily curable now and relatively rare now. Uh, but it was a feared disease because it, was so, it wound up being so disfiguring. 
disfigured the skin, um, and it caused lesions, but it also caused a lot of nerve damage. Um, and so they were, they were outcasts. There, there were leper colonies all the way uh, through the, the 1800s into the early 1900s. There were leper, leper colonies, leper hospitals. They, they kind of advanced uh, a little bit until about the 1940s when sulfur drugs came in. But for thousands of years, lepers were shunned. They didn't know how it spread. It doesn't spread by touch. It actually spreads um, through the air. And they had to walk on the, on the opposite side of the street depending on which way the wind was blowing. They had to call out, unclean, unclean. They had to wear bells on their clothes to kind of jingle and let people know to get out of the way. They, were, they weren't welcome in their own homes. But when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Jesus, He did not look at them and turn and run. He reached out, He touched them, He healed them, He treated them with kindness, and the result was healing. Now you have to understand, these lepers literally could have infected Jesus. That's a possibility. He wasn't somehow immune to all everything. The book of Hebrews says that we, don't, we have a high priest that has felt the same things we have felt. Paraphrasing. But he treated them with kindness and the result was healing, physical and spiritual. And what about the woman that Jesus met at Jacob's well? How many husbands did she have? Was it Five. And the one she was with was not, her, was not her husband. She could have gone at, in the morning or the evening when it was cooler. No, she chose to go at noontime when it was hot. Jesus went there and met her. Those people must have been so unkind for her to want to go at the, at the, at the heat of the day. It was, a, it was a distance to walk to get to the well. It wasn't right in town. She had to walk a ways. <clears throat> it must have been very uncomfortable for her to do that, but it probably was more uncomfortable for her to do that during the morning and evening because of the insults that she likely received. She came at noontime to draw her water, and that's when and where she met Jesus. Well, what if Jesus had been unkind? What if Jesus had said, I don't want anything to do with you, you, you immoral woman? A lot of things he could have said, but instead... He spoke to her in such a way that she went back to that town, Sychar, and told the people to come and meet a man who had told her everything that she had ever done and to meet a man who had treated her with kindness. Kindness is a good gift to bring at Christmas time. So will you make a covenant to give the gift of kindness? You know, what I find in, in, for me is acts of kindness are not really a problem for me. You know what's a problem for me is my tone of voice. Just ask my wife and son, like this morning. So I, didn't, I didn't act it inappropriately. I didn't throw anything, hit anybody, but man, my tone. So that's a gift that I can give. What about you? 
Is your gift to not throw things around and stomp and demand your way? Is it simply a change in your tone? You know, a lot of times our tone comes from the, the fear or the anger or the impatience that's on the inside, and it seeps out that way. It doesn't seep out in physical ways, always. The gift of kindness would be a wonderful gift for me to bring. What about you? Finally, walking humbly with our God. So this, I think, ties the, the, the two previous ones together. And this involves living in humble and submissive obedience to His desire and will. Walking humbly with our God. And I don't mean walking hand in hand like friends, do to do, we're walking, you know, we're, we're arm in arm like buddies. We're talking about the Most High God. And when I need to submit to Him, it's a, it's a different way of thinking. You see, that this kind of submissive obedience that He's talking about here is really only possible when I recognize the absolute righteousness and holiness of God. When I recognize that He's God and I'm not, and again, that may seem like, well, duh, but I don't act like it always. What about you? Who is Lord of your life? It's the humble of heart and spirit that pleases God. Look with me in Isaiah. Isaiah 57. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. A little bit further down in Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and, and, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Who are you? Are you going to build a place of rest for God? Are you going to build a house for the Lord? Are you going to do some great and magnificent things? And there have been some fantastic architects and engineers and builders over the years that have built some beautiful structures for the glory of God. Okay. What God is saying here is, I'm the one that made all that possible in the first place. But here's who I'm going to look down on. Here's who I'm going to look down on with favor. He who has a poor and contrite spirit and trembles at my word. You see, the Lord told Micah that he wanted one more gift. To walk humbly with our God. Jesus came into a world not very impressed with humility. Now, whether you're looking at the Roman Empire or you're looking at the religious um, leaders of the day, neither one of them were really interested in, in, in humility. You had the Roman Empire that from its beginnings was, was heavily influenced by Greek art and literature. 
it was, it was very important for anyone with any means in the Roman Empire to actually have a Greek-speaking slave that would teach their children the, the Greek uh, mythology and literature and uh, all those kinds of things. It's very important that they be, be taught that. That concept kind of carried forward later on to the 17th, 18th century when you would have uh, a French speaker. It's very important that if you were an, an aristocrat, whether it's in the U.S., uh, or in, uh, in England, that you be taught how to speak French. Same concept. The religious leaders of the day were not impressed with, with humility. It was very clear when the discussions about the Messiah were happening that they were all about power. They were all about pomp and circumstance. And when they, and when they heard multiple times that, wait a minute, he was born where? In Bethlehem, and he's from where? Nazareth? They were immediately, they were like, uh, no, I don't think so. They just they dismissed it because that was not of a high enough stature for the Messiah. Jesus came into a world that was impressed with power. You see, Roman officers, if you're high enough rank, you, you rode around on a prancing stallion. You had uh, shining armor. You had plumes uh, in their helmets. Um, you know, all these things that, that just added to the, the, the power and the might of, of Rome. So into that world, Jesus comes. He didn't ride on a prancing stallion. He came seated on a donkey riding into Jerusalem. He didn't come with any great possessions, no fancy jewels, no material wealth. And the world was unimpressed. They rejected him. They mocked him. They crucified him. And 2,000 years have passed since then. And are we any different than the Greeks? Are we any different than the Romans? Are we any different than the religious leaders of the day? You see, we're impressed with status. He mentioned heart chapter and marks. Some of you know exactly what that means. That's a, that's a high-end men's clothing line. And there's other brands that we could name and we would all know, hey, that's, that's, that's high-end. You see, we still want to wear the right clothes and drive the right thing, cars and, and live in the right neighborhoods and all those kinds of things. But Micah, to Micah, the Lord said, Micah didn't come up with these words on his own. The Lord said these things to Micah. He said, walk humbly with your God. These three things God required of those who would come before him. And see, Jesus was not here to take these, these rituals away from them. When Micah was talking about, shall I come before him with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil and giving my firstborn, he wasn't saying, hey, the, the um, religious requirements, the ritual observances, he wasn't chucking those out the window. Look at what Jesus said himself in Matthew 23. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Now, we, we sometimes look at this passage and we say, look, they were even looking into their spice cabinets and making sure that they were giving a tenth. And how foolish is all that? It's not what Jesus said. 
He said, yes, those observances are required. Yes, those observances are important. Because these you ought to have done, meaning justice, mercy, and faith, without leaving the others undone. See, not instead of ritual observances, but together with them. It's important. Micah raised the bar through the word of the Lord. Jesus is raising the bar. Because he's saying, you religious leaders, you scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. Because you are dealing with these little bitty things that are not unimportant, but these weightier matters, justice, mercy, faith. These are important as well. So when you look at those three gifts, justice, mercy, and walking humbly with your God, walking in submissive obedience to His will. What do you think? What's going through your mind right now? That this somehow is, is easy, like we started off with, this is easy, I got this. I hope it has challenged you, it's challenged me to understand these words, to understand what exactly is the Lord saying to Micah to then tell the people of Israel and to instruct us because these things were written for our learning. These things are in this book for us today. You see, we don't have to have money to give these kinds of gifts. We don't have to go searching high and low for these things. What He desires of us is for us to give of ourselves. He desires of us to have a poor and contrite spirit and to, to offer what we have to Him. And truly all that we have are the gifts that we have already been given. It's not about money. It's not about physical gifts. As, as wonderful as those are to shop for and give and receive. But everyone here can give these gifts. And I suggest when we do, we'll have the best Christmas ever. If we can help you in your walk this morning, if we can help you to understand more fully what it means to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, we would welcome the opportunity to study with you, help you understand that. Because this, again, is raising the bar. Christ did not come to just perpetuate what was happening. He came and made really radical changes. Have you made those radical changes in your life? Or are you just kind of continuing on? What would Jesus say to you if He looked into your heart, if He looked into your life? You know, the rich young ruler came to Him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, basically keep the law. He said, these I've done from my youth up. He looked into his heart and he knew what was keeping him from a relationship with Jesus, from following him. In his case, it was his riches. Is that the case with you? You may say, I don't have riches. Well, 
It's all relative. It's all relative. But what's keeping you, what's hindering you from a relationship with God that He would be pleased with? What's keeping you from a relationship with God that He would look down and say, I am pleased with this servant? What's preventing that? One of the things, one of the ways we can do that is to look at ourselves and say, How are we acting justly? How are you showing mercy? How are you showing the, the, the fact that you are walking humbly with your God? What is it about your, um, your walk with God that God would look and say, yes, I'm pleased with that? It's causing me to look inside and think differently. And this season of gifts is, is causing me to think about gifts in a different way. So if we can help you, let us know as we sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.